0: Lord Jesus, we do love you. And I ask, through my words and everything else that's gone on this morning, you would make yourselves known to us whether we have followed you for decades or we're still trying to figure out who you are. So would you come and soften our hearts and give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Amen. Amen. Today is going to feel quite nitty-gritty and practical, okay? So if you're part of Redeemer, really lean in and listen a little bit. If you're a guest or you're just around the edges and you're thinking, okay, this might be somewhere I want to go, or why is it that churches do things certain way? That you get a little insight into us. So, uh, the title this morning is This is How We Roll. Um, And what I'm going to do is, I'm just going to speak into how we do life together, particularly on Sundays. Okay? Um, We're going to talk about some principles, some practicalities, and some priorities that we have. Because there are lots of things in the Bible that speak about what we should do together as Christians. But as each family has to work out, the big question is how? How do we work it out here? at Redeemer. Um, what's our emphasis in small groups? What's our emphasis on a Sunday? Why do we do certain of the things that you go on? Why do people come to the front? Why do we sing about blood? I mean, if, if you're new to church, this morning we sang about Ancient of Days. We spoke a lot about blood, and we spoke about healing. It's okay if you're confused, okay? It's absolutely okay. A lot of that is kind of Christianese. But it's got beautiful truths behind it. If you really know your Bible well and you hear blood, you, your encyclopedia goes, wow, and your spirit's alive with worship because you know all the meanings of it and that. But if you're kind of new to church, you might be a bit confused. But something's going on in your heart. And you think there's something amazing here. So we'll talk a little bit into some of these things. And the, the, the purpose of today okay, is to encourage participation. So we've had some folks who are newish to the church saying, "Oh, why do people do that? How is it that people do that? Oh, I've noticed this. Can I do that as well?" When someone's come forward and shared something, it was it felt like I was thinking that. What do I do with that? Okay? So the purpose of it is to encourage participation and a sense of ownership, okay? Cuz this church isn't about priests and other people. We're all priests. As the New Testament teaches, and we're all responsible for our life together. Um And also, it's helpful to give a sense of security, isn't it? To understand why some things happen. Sometimes that's just really helpful because some people are really proactive in doing things and maybe coming forward. Others are like, I'm just not sure if that's suitable or appropriate. And we have different church backgrounds. Some of us are carrying hurts and disappointments and some things that happen in a certain thing. That reminds me of that experience, and I'm not just not sure what to do. Others of us are just timid, and we're like, oh, how do I? But God is really speaking to you. So how can we create an environment where everyone who's stood by God gets to, in whatever way, publicly up front, or just amongst us, share what God has for them? So let's start with this question. I wonder what your instinctive answer is. Who are Sundays for? let just have a think for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to shout out an answer, because it could be right, it could be wrong, or... There's lots, there's not just, have you ever thought that? When we gather together, who is it for? So I don't want your instinctive thought, okay? So is it for God, Jesus, Son, Holy Spirit, Father? Is it more about Jesus than the, is it for adults? Is it for Christians? Is it for unbelievers? It's coming to our midst. Is it for people who are still trying to work Jesus out? Is it for kids? Is it for youth? What is the priority in all of that? Have you ever thought about that question? Okay? Um, now the answer is yes. <laughs> All of those in some way, measure, and form, but there are priorities in that. Okay, now we, we it is for God. We do sing a lot about Jesus. It's the song of eternity, isn't it? You got a revelation, the song of uh, of heaven is worthy is the worthy is the lamb. The church is the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit, we're told in scripture, likes to make much of Jesus. So yes, it's God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but understandably so, we make much particularly of of Jesus, so as we answer these questions we 're going to look at it, but just just as a little thing if you weren't sure, it 's primarily for Jesus, and the center is our worship of God, right okay? and everything flows from that though, okay how we interact, what we do, and how we serve each other comes from That so, it says this in Matthew 22 when Jesus is asked, kind of, what's the most important thing? Some of you will know this well. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So, it's first and foremost about the Lord, okay. And if you're coming in, community is a wonderful thing, it's an important part of the church. It's right to come for community right to come to have your needs met it's right to come and ask questions and work out but primarily what we're here doing is to express our love and to express our worship and make much of jesus but then he goes on and he says this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself so our priorities in life and we're going to talk more practically about sundays there's other things we do in church are that we are to love God and we are to love others. We're to live in the service of the Lord first and of others. And that shapes how we do our Sundays or how we do our gatherings. So as I've said, first and foremost, it's about Jesus. Can you say Jesus? Jesus. Some of you, I wonder, when you and me, some of us, when we pray, how much do we... Just say God. How much do we say Father, Son, Holy Spirit? What what is our relational language like when we pray? It's just a. There's a question. I, I I don't think there's necessarily much right and wrong in that. Obviously, Jesus taught us to pray Our Father. Scripture is full of Lord. Okay, um, so it's just it's an interesting thing to do sometimes to slow down and to be attentive to. Oh, what does that necessarily say about me? You know, if it's just Lord and God, as it was for me, I had to journey into more relational, affectionate language. Father, the beloved Lord Jesus. And it did something in my heart. So we have first and foremost, we give our first and our best to Jesus and we obey and worship. But when we gather, we start to see some practicalities of how that's Worked out. So in Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. We, we come to Jesus in the confidence of Jesus. And 24, verse 24, And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So what you have here is we come in Christ. I've mentioned this. I'm going to keep saying it. It's all about Jesus. But we are also to prioritize meeting together with the purpose of obviously the up, but also of considering How we can spur one another on to love and good works. When did you last wake up on a Sunday morning and think, Today, how can I spur people on to love and good works? Some of you have done that this morning. Brilliant. Well done. Most of us haven't even given it a thought and we've just walked in church. So there's going to be a lot of things I say today. Some of you will feel I'm speaking at you. I'm not, but I am. Not you as an individual, but sometimes the, the, the badge fits. So whichever way that is, at the same time, be secure enough to understand we're not making rules, okay? We're just trying to withdraw from scripture principles to how we work out. So just relax. I'm not thinking I don't have a target on you or you or you or you, okay? And if you are maybe a more expressive person, you might feel more obviously targeted. But if you're a very quiet person, you might feel no one ever thinks about me. Both groups need to be... Asking in Scripture, how should I conduct myself in Scripture? So we have this, that we are spur one another on to love and good works. I think the first thing to see in here, though, is that meeting together, it should be a priority. It should be a habit. It it shouldn't be a second thought. So I want to commend the Allen family here. Tom, I often ask Tom, will you be available at this date? Tom says, our default is that we are always here, unless there's a specific reason not to be. I think that's the way we should approach church, isn't it? We are together. Now, if you're a guest, you're looking in, this is different to those who would call this home, but this is what church should be. It's a place where we make a habit of meeting together. And when it says that we consider how to spur one another on to good works, the better you know someone, the more equipped you are to know how to spur them on to love and good works. We can be general, spur you on to love and good works, but if I know your personality, And how you take and what you're going on in your life, I am much better equipped to spur you on to love and good works. I might know the kind of things I can say that will encourage you and spur you on, or I might know the personal challenges you have. So this is already speaking about a deliberate sense of community, and it should be a habit. So when you come in, I hope it doesn't take long for you to realize our songs primarily at the start are upward. They're praise songs. Because we're not primarily starting with our needs, although that's okay, and sometimes you come in and you're just bruised, okay? We're primarily starting with God and Jesus, and when we've got a big vision of him and we've spoken of his character, the ancient of days, the one who is steadfast, unchanging, who has always been there, he doesn't shift like the shadows, okay, I'm rooted in you, God, then everything flows from that, okay? So we sing up most of the time. There's nothing wrong with speaking about our needs, okay? There's nothing wrong, and sometimes we come to that. Although I think some modern worship is becoming more personally therapeutic and it's actually quite self indulgent sometimes because it's all about me and how I feel and what I need from God. That's an important part of worship. But if that's all it is, we're missing out on glorifying the great God of eternity who gave his life. You need both because once you get to know this God, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. But we're coming to him, we're not coming to a therapist. (laughs) <laughs> we're coming to the greatest therapist that there is, right? So we're coming. So, so is, are our lives marked by that? And I trust that happens here. We make much of Jesus. It's why we preach for a long time. I'm just joking. Okay, we preach for a, a decent length of time because we're preaching whose word, God's word, and we are primarily speaking God's truth. We trust most of the time. So in everything we do, we ask, what does the Lord Jesus want? And if we love Him, we will obey His commands. And so the posture we take. Is posture of worship and a posture of service. Love God and love your neighbour. Now it doesn't mean we don't pay attention to ourselves, but we're living increasingly in an age that makes it all about us, and we will all be affected by that, whether we think it or not. We come thinking primarily about ourselves most of the time. How will I feel? How will I look? What will people think of me? And some of that is just totally natural. Okay, it's things we wrestle with all the time. But we're called to deliberately foster a posture of let me make much of God and let me serve my neighbor. Let me love others. And so, amongst us in a church like this, we'll have mature believers who know every verse in the Bible, you've memorized it, not quite, but you know, in a good way, mature believers who have seen and been around church and who love Jesus and who have weathered decades and they are filled with scriptural truth. We'll have others who are just working out who Jesus is, right? You think, I know I'm a sinner and I know he's God and I know I need his help. But the rest of it I'm trying to work out, okay? And there will be others in between. We've been bruised. We've been hurt. We've been let down. There are certain things in church that press buttons because there's been abuse before. The church makes full of mistakes. So in a room like this, there's a whole spectrum of people. Remember our posture is how do we serve one another? The main thing is not how do I express myself most freely as I feel. That's not the posture we take. In God, we find the liberty, but how do I use my liberty to serve other, other people? So how do we effectively serve each other? I find the idea of a dinner party helpful, okay? So when you're a family at home, and some of you would have heard this, we speak about this on our membership course, when you're a family at home, the value is being together and enjoying each other's company, right? And so you might chuck a pizza in the oven, some of you it's natural, to put the china out and, you know, get it on your butt, but we're more relaxed when it's just family, correct? The shoes might be lying around in the hallway. The Xbox controllers might still be on the sofa. The, you, know, you just put cutlery on the table in glasses and everyone sorts themselves out or whatever it might be. The value is being together. When you have guests, the value is still being together. But you probably make a little bit more effort to make your guests feel relaxed and at home. So you tidy the shoes up so they don't trip over. You clear the sofa of the crumbs and the biscuits and the crisps. Okay? So that they can sit down comfortably. When you're around the table, you've probably set it up for them to a degree, you know, closer friends. not. The value does not change, does it? But you make a big effort to remove stumbling blocks so that your guests get to enjoy the most important thing, which is being together and the feast. Right? Because you don't want them worrying about whatever it might be. That's why you put spray in the toilet. Okay? You don't want them worrying about the Okay. So there are very practical things. So if you take that image and hold that, because that's helpful to understand why so much effort is made on Sunday for signs. And at the beginning, I'll speak more about that. Hold that image. And then this other image, and a fellow church leader did this with his staff team. He took them to a very public high street betting shop. (gasps) So his Christian church staff went to a betting shop. Okay, who's been to it? No, that's okay. (laughs) Uh, When... Maybe you should do this, okay? Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should go into a very public betting shop on the high street. How do you feel most Christians? Now, obviously, some of us might be more familiar with it. Than, when you go into a betting shop, you feel highly conspicuous. You worry what people will think if they see you there. You have no idea how it works. Like, I like this machine with all these lights. Be, uh, how do I, you worry that you're going to be ripped off, right? And lose all your money and lose your life. Okay, And you're not sure whether it's too embarrassing to go and ask someone how things work and you just want to quietly hide and get on with your sneaky little betting. Okay, Can you access some of the emotion of that? That's probably how someone new to church feels when they walk in. Okay? It's like, I don't know anyone. This is school hall. That's weird. Okay, How, how should I dress? Okay? What if someone greets me and says, Bless the Lord! And you're like... I don't even know if I know the Lord, you know. And when you walk in, you're like, "Do I need to ask where the toilet is?" So you go to the toilet ten times before you come. Okay. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I sit in someone's seat and they come to me and give me the eyes because I'm sitting? Okay. We laugh, but we've all been in social situations where we feel like that. Christians, have you ever registered? That's what it takes sometimes for someone who doesn't know Jesus to walk in the room. So much going on, isn't there? And you are very welcome. If you're not a Christian, you are super welcome. Most of us were in that place once. Went to a first prayer meeting with church. So they were like, well, what do I say? What's right? Jesus is kind with us. Okay? And he welcomes us in. So those two pictures, we don't change what's important. But we take into consideration in the posture of serving others, how we can remove as much as we can. I mean, God is still God. How we can remove stumbling blocks that put people at ease. Those who want Christians, new Christians, or just people who are really struggling, put them at ease so they get to enjoy the most important thing, which is the feast and the fellowship. Okay? So that's, that's this dynamic. So on a Sunday, very practically, it's why a lot of people arrive here at 830 and set up flags and teas and literature and they're in the hallway and partly why we have drinks in here and partly why there's music playing. It's not to be manipulative. It's so that a new person can walk in those doors and if they don't want to talk to anyone, they can go to the literature table and pretend they're looking at something, right? And when they come in here, they're not going to make it from there to their seat without meeting someone because there's people around the drinks table, right? And if you're feeling conspicuous, who, how many of you drink three extra cups of coffee on a Sunday because you don't know what to do with yourself? Yeah? We all do. We, we go to the coffee table. Uh, me too. I'm not good in massive in crowds. I've learned how to do it. And we grab a coffee because it looks like we're doing something and we're not standing out. Okay? Very real, isn't it? Or brioches. I just shouldn't eat so many brioches or whatever. Some of you didn't know there's brioche. There's brioche there on the Sunday. Okay? Do you get the feel of what's going on? It's why there is so much effort. It's why we try to honor timekeeping. So this is where some of you feel a spotlight on you, okay? Listen, we all have come into church late. Children, illness, other things at home, last minute, it's okay. All right? So it's not, but it's why we try and get you early. Do you know why we have drinks before the service, not after the service? Have you ever thought that? Okay, it's partly practical, okay, because we've <laughs> hired the building for four hours and a whole bunch of people are in here, 8.30 with the band, so there's time to do it. But we feel, or certainly I do, that if you connect people with people, then when you come to worship, we're connected with people already and then we can worship God. Okay, That's, so I think the 15 minutes of drinks before the service are massively important to put people at ease, to relax them, to get us in here at a good place. The problem is we're very slow to get from there to our seats when the service is starting. Good problem to have. But little hint, please be attentive to the countdown timer so we can get going when we go. But also it's to serve all the people who have made an effort to be ready on time. The worship team, sound checks and technicalities and stuff work hard to get ready on time. So timekeeping is how we serve one another. Don't worry if you come in late, stuff happens. It's okay. All right. So I'm going to want to make disclaimers all morning. Hear our heart. These aren't rules and stuff, but these are urging for us to consider one another, okay? It's why we do things like, it's just normal now to welcome you at the beginning. Say, hi, great to have you you with us this morning. If you're a guest or you're new to Christianity, you're super welcome. We see you. We're not just presuming everyone's been a believer for 30 years and knows everything. We see you. And it's okay. You're very welcome here, wherever you are. You walk with you. It's also maybe a little nudge to Christians. Think, oh, there might be other people in the room who are not Christians or are brand new Christians. Okay, our, our language is important. It's why when there are contributions from the front, now not always. Okay, God is God. You can't explain God away. We don't dial anything down, right? We don't have a liberty to make things palatable. We we do what God's word said, but we can explain it and put people at ease. So when stuff happens, we can say, you know, that person is jerking when they're sharing. It's kind of weird if you're not being in church, isn't it? Sometimes when people encounter the power of God, their bodies feel God's power. Yeah? Have you ever been in a crowd where you've just been swept away with what's going on? And you've raised your hands and you've jumped and shouted and you would not normally do that. Sometimes when God overwhelms us, <laughs> we just bubble up inside and express ourselves. Small things like that put people at ease, right? or at least give a sense of security. And then there are more things. So all of those things are spiritual, but then there are other things that feel a little bit more spiritual, aren't they? All of them are, because they're all dynamics, and sometimes we, we, we fall into the error of thinking we're just spirit. No, we, we, we are physical beings as well, right? Our physical state, how tired you are this morning, how much caffeine you've had or not had, okay? All of those things will affect how you feel on a Sunday morning, okay? And obviously, whether you're walking with God, communing with God, spending time with God. Some reason we can think, oh, this is spiritual, this is not. No, who we are affects. So getting to bed on time on a Saturday has an impact on Sunday. However you choose to work that out, it it just does. Our patience, our capacity, our alertness all has an effect on that. But then when you get to, like in the scriptures, you have 1 Corinthians. So you might want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. We'll look at a few verses there. So this church, we're a little bit like on the end of what we would now call just, it's a bit like everything's going on, okay? it's Spiritual gifts, charismatic, Pentecostal, all all of that stuff going on. But it was being done very unwisely and very unhelpfully. So the great apostle Paul writes to this church and he doesn't say to them, Dial it down, folks. He doesn't say to them, stop this stuff. No, he says, hey, this is amazing. God's life and love. But this is how it should happen in the church of God. Okay? This is how we work it out. I think before I even, well, let's say this. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you. Turn to the person next to you and say each. Each. Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Now, I don't think that's exhaustive, okay? It's encouraging people to, when you come together, God's life is in you. No matter immature or mature you feel, Holy Spirit's in you. You've got something to bring, and we need to come prepared. Can you say prepared? So when you come together, each of you's got something, okay? For the body of Christ. Everything must be done. So that the church may be built up. So in our posture of serving each other and coming with our gifts, we ask, how can we build each other up in this? So when you come, there's an expectation. Church is the most exciting place to be because you don't know what's going to happen. right? Some of you in this room, you've come and you've sat in church and someone at the front has mustered all their courage to come and say, I felt God give me a picture of a tree with its roots and they've been cut off. But there's going to be fruit again. 90% of the people in the room think, that's lovely, okay? One person thinks, God is speaking to me right now. That happened to a couple, not here today. Someone just got up and shared a word. Everyone else thinks, that's lovely. It changed their life, okay? Everyone comes with something. It's the, we come with anticipation because people have gifts. Now, it won't always be from the front. Some of you, I heard this beautiful story recently. This couple... Just in church, da, 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 had some connection with someone. Someone wrote them a letter. Just wrote them a letter and shared a picture with them. And it's just like, it's just amazing. It felt like God's speaking to me. Yeah? It's beautiful, isn't it? When God works like this. But everything must become. So we have expectation. We have responsibility, each one. So you'll hear people say, we're not consumers, we're contributors. So we come saying, Lord, how can I bless others this morning? Now, sometimes you just, you're weak and you come and you get help. I do so some, sometimes. Yeah, this is not a pressure, it's an invitation. Okay? And then it says, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Okay, so we ask, what God's given me or what I feel now how can I do it in a way that builds others up? It's not about discharging your burden. God said, and I've got to get it out. I don't think that's not helpful sometimes. God said, how can I get out in a way that blesses other people, in a way that builds other people up. So here's a question to ask. Have you ever asked someone, is there anything I do at church that is distracting or unhelpful to you? (laughs) I didn't have to ask. I had friends tell me many years ago certain things, you know, like I I love to sing louder. You've heard this. I sing it at the front. It's, my voice is okay. I've received encouragement from that. Thank you. But if I sit at the back and there's not people carrying the tune around me, I feel free to belt it out. But it's just not going to bless the person right in front of me. So I sing loudly, but I, I, I'm trying to be helpful, but uninhibited. Okay? In that way, on that. So we take responsibility for, as believers, and particularly those who call Redeemer, home. To pursue gifts. So 1 Corinthians says, I don't want you to be uninformed. And elsewhere, it says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. It's your responsibility as a Christian to carry the life of God. It's your opportunity as a believer to carry the life of God. And those gifts might be seen or they might never be seen other than one or two individuals. It might be encouragement that is timely. Okay? It might be quiet serving. Like A beautiful couple that come from South Essex and they help with chairs every week, even though they've got a 45-hour drive. Okay? 40, 40, 45 hour. that's amazing, or, or to an hour drive. Most of you won't know who I'm speaking about, correct? Beautiful people. You're here today, you know who I'm speaking to. It's just, it's a blessing to everyone else. So we eagerly desire gifts to honor God and to serve and bless others. Now, let's think about this practically, okay? We have a lot of kids, Right? While the kids are in the beginning of the service, do you think if you try and pray out from where you are in your pews, many people are going to hear you? No, okay? So it, can, it doesn't mean you never do it. Sometimes God just fills us out and goes out. But if you feel really stirred to pray out and it's quite noisy, just come to the front and say, hey, I'd love to pray out. Can I grab the mic? Or wait for a quieter moment so that you can bless more people, right? If you stand near the front and someone says, let's pray out, and you pray out facing this way, and you're near the front. Very few people are going to hear you, right? Little, just a little bow. Okay, I'm about to pray out. How can I serve most people? Hey, Lord Jesus, we love you. You're amazing. Just turn around a little bit, okay? Simple, very practical stuff like that. Not this one. This one's hit and miss, okay? This feels really practical, but it affects our dynamics. What version of the Bible do we read from when we come to the front? Okay, now listen. I have a favoured version of the Bible, and it's okay. There's no right or wrong here. Because you're not going to think, oh, let me analyze my Bible version here. Da, da. But if it's like some really unknown or it's just, and the language is going to be unfollowable, just for a moment think, is there another? Okay, that, That's a bit of a loose one because to think about changing your Bible verse. But these are the kinds of things that should register in us. Is what I'm doing helpful or, or not? And so this is where as elders, there's always an elder on duty here, and there's other hosts with us. Our role is hopefully to bring a sense of release to you, okay? So if you think, is now a good time? Is now or not? Should I do this? Just come up and speak to us, okay? Now today, for example, there's a there's the prayer meeting. Everyone, you're welcome to the prayer meeting, 9.30. And 30, there are things that start to come out in the prayer meeting, right? So when people come forward and say, I've got this, and we think that follows the theme we've been praying for, we think, oh, okay, Let, God, you let's... Use this. God is doing something. If someone comes up with a totally different theme, we might just say, wait for a moment. Let's just wait and see what the Lord does. Often people come up and I know where I'm going in my preach and I'll say, oh, just come back at the end because I think that will come in. Sometimes you've got to grow in this, right? Is it God speaking or do I just have a nice good idea? Right? Your responsibility is to do something. Come to us at the front and we hopefully will try and help you. But also there'll be a little bit of coaching as well. Don't take five minutes to read 64 verses and then 10 minutes for an application point, okay? Think, what is God trying to say to me, and what's the point of this? I'm going to read two verses, and I'm going to bring home the point so that we serve each other. We don't lose each other, people in this. So just pause for a moment. I've got a few more things to say. Whatever your context, Redeemer or anywhere else, where are we provoked in our posture? Think. Okay, do I come first for the Lord and to serve others? Are there things I can do differently to serve others, better, and to build them up? Okay. And if you're not a Christian, you're coming in, you are so welcome because our heart is whether you've been following Jesus 30 years or you're just getting to know him or working out, is that Jesus makes himself known, doesn't he? God took on flesh to make himself known. And so this is how we serve each other. A few things. Maybe, maybe one of the probably most controversial or difficult things to work out is speaking in tongues. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So you might hear someone go something like this, and they're, they're, they're speaking a language that clearly isn't earthly. Okay, the Bible teaches that God gives heavenly language. Tongues just means languages, it's a language that your heart, your spirit is speaking to God in when God just comes to you gives you a gift and you express your spirit without really knowing what's going on okay now in scripture there seem to be two kinds of tongues i would say there's personal devotional speaking tongues that no one else needs to kind of be aware of or hear or need and then there's a public tongue okay that's done it's a gift that just like a prophecy is done to encourage and build up The church, and it says this in one Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse thirty-nine. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. That's verse thirty-nine. I skipped some verses, guys. Okay, so uh, uh, well, let's go back. One Corinthians fourteen, verse fifteen. Okay, we'll read this. I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say "Amen" to your thanksgiving? Because <laughs> they don't know what you're saying. You are giving thanks well enough, good for you, but no one else is edified. Okay. And then that verse I read just now: "Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way." So this is how we do it at Redeemer. You won't hear us at the front. Occasionally it pops out, whether, we're, whether it's worship leaders or whether it's meeting hosts, speaking in tongues, just as part of our worship, right? So you won't probably hear me going, shikaraba or whatever it is, unless I feel it's a public tongue, right? And the difference is this. When you bring a public tongue, Scripture says that there should be an interpretation. So we try to make clear when there's a gift for everyone, okay? Often someone will come to the front or a loud voice and we'll say, Let's just wait a few moments. Scripture says when someone brings a tongue, there will be a Godward-orientated prayer of praise to God. And we'll wait. And someone else might say, God, your revelation is astounding. Your faithfulness is as deep as the oceans and as high as the mountains. And they'll go on. And one or two others might become because it's an interpretation, not a translation. Okay? So there's that one. Now, you might hear people around you in the pews singing or praying out in tongues during worship, right? Anyone ever heard that? Now, personally, I try to be aware of how loud I am because I'm controlled by this principle. Is it edifying? Can someone else make sense of it? Or is it just me worshiping? Right? So we will very rarely say, although it's not a rule, let's all pray out in tongues. Okay? We'll do prayer meetings are slightly different because one of the principles in 1 Corinthians 14 is that there's unbelievers in your midst, people who don't understand this. So how will they be edified? It will just like seem to them, Right? So at our prayer meetings, we rarely go for it. So some of you right now are feeling the spotlight, right? Because A, you've never prayed in tongues, and you think, should I be? It's pretty common in the church, isn't it? It's a gift for everyone. You're invited. Not everyone does pray in tongues, but it's a gift from your Heavenly Father. And I'm convinced you're welcome to it. And the Bible says you build yourself up, right? Who wants to be built up? Computer gamers, it's like a cheat code. You just go from one level to another. You're just built up. You don't really know what you're saying, Okay. But how we express our tongues in a congregation that's not a public tongue, we do it in a way that edifies others and doesn't provide a stumbling block to others. Okay? Now some of you, need, you've never thought about this before, you never thought about scripture, how does scripture guide this? Others of you have and you've landed somewhere because listen, we're, we're not inhibiting ourselves, okay? but neither are we expressing ourselves without awareness of scripture. Okay, so how does scripture, how do I serve God and serve others? So that's probably the most obvious one. So I want to encourage you folks as you come in next week, whether you're in Helsinki, okay, whether you're in Chelmsford or whether you're in Ipswich or wherever it might be and you go in a church, hey, how about sitting on your alarm? How can I stir others up to love and good works? How can I come prepared this morning? You might want to set the alarm at 9 o'clock on Saturday night or 11 o'clock on Saturday night. Think, how can I best be in a place to serve the church tomorrow? These are not rules. These are invitations to the life of God in the church. One final diagram. Because as a church, you will have noticed that churches generally fall, I think, into three categories. Okay, So there are what you might call Word of God churches. Okay, You go to them and, man, they preach the Word of God. Really well, right? Full of truth, full of truth, full of truth. They're not so sure about the Holy Spirit. And you can walk in a church, sit in your pew, not say a word, and nothing else go on except X, Y, and Z, and great preaching. And then you can go. There's some churches that really prize the word of God. Their strength is teaching doctrine. The challenge of that is the love, full of grace and truth, drawing people in making it accessible, expressing their doctrine in a helpful way. And then you have churches that are more orientated to the mission of God, okay? Seeker-friendly, okay? Now, some churches have decided Sundays is a bit more like this, but they do other stuff midweek, okay? I think there's some, there's some liberty in that, okay? Mission of God. These are churches that would think well, everything we do is to make it easy for people who don't know Jesus. So we're only going to preach for 20 minutes. I wouldn't last long in that church, okay? But we preach for 20 minutes. Our songs are actually going to be really kind of, Emotionally engaging or very clear on some things, okay? Now, the great strength of that is they live for people who don't know Jesus, right? They're like a lost child. If anyone's lost a child in a park, they will do anything to reach people for Jesus. The challenge is what they're birthing people into. Is it maturity? Is it a full expression of the things of God? And then you have some churches which, these are general stereotypes, okay? Spirit of God churches. Man, there is power in the house of God, okay? Now, that's an unhelpful stereotype. Okay, even by the fact that I've used that tone, I'm presuming a certain kind of people. But it's not all like that. Okay? We've got to be careful what we think of when we see these things. But there is just a lot going on. <laughs> and it's crazy. But God's power is moving. People are getting healed. People are seeing miracles. People are encountering Jesus. But it's, the challenge is it's very sometimes the word, the doctrine behind it is not as grounded sometimes, not always. So obviously the sweet spot is we don't get to choose, do we, right? We're trying to be something in the middle, okay? We believe in the Word of God. And the Word of God says that we're to be a people of the Spirit of God, right? And the Spirit of God births in you a hunger for the glory of God and to reach people, hallelujah. So we don't compromise and we pursue, but we do it in a way that's most easily accessible to people, okay? No compromise, that's not our liberty, Right, but we take a posture of serving others. Now, you come one Sunday, you might feel it's a bit more like that than that than that, but what we're trying is over the course of church life is to be all in. Can you say all in? Word, spirit, mission, and I'm convinced that the most missional thing is to help people encounter God, right? And so that's where the how we do it, we draw them in, okay? And sometimes you will feel on the outside No matter what happens. Because God is powerful. And you can feel on the outside because you're living in sin. And when you encounter God, there's conviction. You can feel on the outside because you have a hurt or some pain. And you just can't see through something. Because you've been in a setting similar and there's been some kind of abuse. right? Sometimes you feel on the outside because you know it's truth but you don't want it. Right? I don't want to give my time. I don't want to give my money to the Lord. I don't want to put him first. I don't want to overcome my reputation and step out and maybe look like a... That's just the reality of it sometimes. But we're invited into this vibrant life in God. I want to read you a few quotes from a guy called Spurgeon. who talks about not dialing down and being full of the love of God. He says, "'Why, brethren?' Old English, okay? I haven't adjusted my version. True praise sets the heart ringing its bells and hanging out its streamers. Never hang your flag at a half-mast when you praise God. No, run up every color. Let every banner wave in the breeze. And let all the powers and passions of your spirit exalt God and rejoice in God your Savior. It says they rejoiced. We are really most horribly afraid of being too happy, he said. Are you horribly afraid of being too happy? Some Christians think cheerfulness a very dangerous folly, if not a ruinous vice. It's got a good way with language, isn't it? Hey, we're not saying that. We're saying raise your flag to full mast. It is not a ruinous vice. It's the most attractive missional thing. Let's make it so. One more from Spurgeon, and with this I finish. Propriety very greatly objects to the praise which is rendered, now this is a while ago, by the primitive Methodists at times. Their shouts and hallelujahs are thought by some delicate minds to be very shocking. I would not, however, join in that censure, lest I should be numbered amongst the Pharisees who said, Master, rebuke thy disciples. I wish more people were as earnest and even as vehement as their Methodists used to be. In our Lord's Day, we see that people expressed the joy which they felt. I am not sure that they expressed it in the most tunable manner. But at any rate, they expressed it in a hearty, lusty shout. Yeah. You can shout hallelujah and amen and glory. We are not dialing anything down, dear friends. But let's take a posture of working out how we can best draw people in. And the guiding principle, let's love God and love and serve each other. And um, I think we we might finish there. Do you want a song? I've got a few things to share. What do you think? Let's Let's finish there for a moment. But I just want to pray. Is that okay, worship team? Okay, yeah. Let's just pray. So I just want you to be still. I'm looking. I mean, I... This is biblically based, but I'm really looking forward to next week's preaching on the Printed to this. Practical, in house family things. So if you're a guest, thank you for being with us. But now you know how things kind of work, okay? So let's just start. close your eyes, maybe be still for a moment. And Holy Spirit, I pray of everything that's been said today that you would help us respond to your prompting. For those of us who need to take a more proactive posture of thinking, Lord, how can I come prepared? What do you have for me to bless others? And that we wouldn't dismiss ourselves because of eloquence or worrying what people think. Help us, Holy Spirit. For those of us who don't give thought to others, And just take a moment to think how best we can express this in a way that draws people in. Help us. For those of us who might be tempted to get in a muddle and overthink things as a result of today. Help us. May we be a people of freedom and liberty and hearty, lustful, joy-filled praise. That draws people into Jesus. And does what we can to help people find and follow Jesus.